0: Part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, I had the great opportunity to go to the Holy Land and uh, for 10 days, and it was amazing. It was, I mean, every day was a new learning experience of just walking where Jesus walked. And, uh, you know, you really did feel like you were walking where Jesus walked because there was a lot of times that you were in a city, and I was thinking big cities. And most of the biblical cities were really small, as far as square foot is really small. And so when you go to the place like the Feeding of the 5,000, you may not have been standing right where Jesus was kind of, you know, preaching, but you were within shot of it because it just isn't that big of a place. Even when you go up and where Jesus prayed over the city, you may not have been standing right in the place and standing right in the place where Jesus was, but it's only like 100 yards on the top of that mountain where he would have prayed over Jerusalem in their lostness. And so you just felt like you really were walking where Jesus walked. And so for 10 days, you had this glorious time. And the last day that we were there, the last full day that we were there, we went to a place called where the tomb. And again, we don't know that that's the actual place where the tomb was, where Christ was laid, but you know, at, at that point, it really didn't matter. Because after 10 days of walking where Christ walked, you just, you really much, you, we went to a place and there was this empty tomb and it was overwhelming. And we had the Lord's Supper. We, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. There was about 15 of us there and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we just broke out in song and started seeing amazing grace. Well, over, there's this kind of a big place there and they have uh, kind of rolling hills. Right over the holy, rolling hills, there wasn't a group of 15. There was a group of about 150 And I don't know where they were, but they were uh, singing in Spanish. And so uh, they began to sing another song. Over on this other hill, I mean, these are all three different groups, not coordinated whatsoever, except by the Holy Spirit himself. We were sitting there, and they must have been from some European place because it sounded kind of maybe Russian or something like that. It kind of had a heaviness to it, but it was absolutely beautiful. And these three groups singing different songs, and yet, folks, it was like a harmony that you've never heard before. And I don't know that I have been closer to heaven on earth than that time. People from every nation, every tribe, singing in their own native language, and yet it did not matter because words did not matter, and words did not separate, and there was just this unison. And we finished. We all kind of looked around. Hair standing on your arms and and all that kind of stuff. And, And then we left. The Bible tells us that we will gather together. And then we go. We're going to gather for about 40 more minutes and then we're going to go. But guys, one day, one day we're going to gather and we won't go anymore. There's going to be a day of gathering. And there's going to be a wedding feast prepared for us and for every believer that has ever lived, and we will eat together as the family of God, and we will rejoice in the presence of God forevermore. We will gather, and it will be the gathering of all gatherings, and there will no be, be no more going. But until that day, until that day, there is gathering, and there is going. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. If you'd open your Bibles, Acts chapter 2, that's in the New Testament. And it's after the Gospels, you'll find the book of Acts, And when you open up, the book of Acts is exactly that. It's the Acts of the Apostles. You may even have in your Bible where it says the Acts of the Apostles. And what it is, is the story of the New Testament church. And one of the things that we almost see instantly as God develops this New Testament church following Jesus Christ is that they gather and then they go. They gather and then they go. This morning, millions and millions of people all over the world are going to gather. Right now, because of, you know, if they're in this time zone or uh, a lot of people in North America are gathering right now. Millions and millions of people. And in about an hour, hour and a half, depending on how long the preacher preaches, they'll go. Millions of people in small churches, large churches, country churches, city churches, gathering and going why do we gather and why do we go? Is it just because it's Sunday and you're supposed to go to church? Some people would probably put a check mark by that, saying, okay, that's why I'm here this morning, because we're, we're gathering together. It's the right thing to do, and, and then we'll go because you're not going to feed us lunch, so we're going to go home and eat lunch or something like that. So we, we gather and we go. But folks, the reason why we gather is very important, and it's kind of spelled out in these verses in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We also see in Acts this last command of, of Jesus Christ. Remember, a couple weeks ago, the last earthly words of Jesus Christ, Acts 1-8. So if you already found Acts 2, just go up a little bit, go back to Acts 1-8, and what does it say? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. We've spoken in the last couple weeks about just sharing your story. That's what a witness is. You're just sharing your story of what Christ has done in your life don't have to have a big outline. You don't have to have a thousand different verses memorized. All that stuff is good support material. But really what people want to know is this whole Christ, this whole Jesus thing, what's the story of your life? And so he said, you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. That's where they were. That's where the believers had gathered. And in all of Judea, that was kind of their nation. Samaria wasn't so much just a, he wasn't just talking about a place. He was talking about different people, different groups of people, different backgrounds, different races, different tribes. And then he said to the uttermost parts of the world. He wasn't so much talking about places and distance as he was people. For us just to go out into the world, a gathering and a going. The day of Pentecost did come. Right after Christ goes up, he ascends up to heaven. Right after that, they are waiting as... Christ instructed them to do, and it's what we call the Day of Pentecost. I I know that some of you may be unfamiliar with that. That's simply the day that the Holy Spirit came down and fell upon the church. It's the birth of the New Testament church. Pentecost was actually a practice in the Old Testament, too. It was a Jewish practice, Pentamine 50. It was 50 days after Passover. So you do see Pentecost in the Old Testament, but the New Testament Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes upon the church. And really phenomenal things happen. Talking about, uh, before we were talking about different languages, well, people that day, they were all speaking and understanding a common language. God brought them together in that unity. And out of that was birthed the New Testament church. The first thing that we see in Acts chapter 2 is that Peter goes out and he begins to preach really what we say is the first gospel sermon. And in Acts chapter 2, he begins to preach Christ buried Uh, are living, dead, buried, and risen again. And he goes through the gospel of how this changes everything. And the people responded. Now, I think that Peter was pretty passionate because why? the Holy Spirit had just come upon him, he preached a wonderful sermon, a sermon unlike maybe any other that has been preached by a person other than Jesus on earth. And he preaches this sermon, and it says that many started coming and believing in Christ. All that's happening in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. Then we get down to a place where we begin to see this happen. Look at Acts 2, verse 41. These people responded to the gospel message that Peter was preaching. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. These people came. The Holy Spirit falls upon them. The New Testament church begins. Peter's preaching about 3,000 people that day. He said, yes, I hear the message and the hope of Christ, and I want that in my life. And they become believers. They were baptized. What happens immediately after that? Verse 42, look. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These 3,000 people that came that day, plus the other ones that were already waiting for the Holy Spirit, Father, what was the first thing that they did after the Holy Spirit comes upon them? They listened to this message. New believers come. And the first thing they do, they gather. They gather. And we see four different things that they did as they gathered. Since they devoted themselves. They just didn't go to church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They said, I'm thirsty for this. That's so what we just saying. If you listen to the words that you sang this morning, and talked about a thirst. I hope you picked up on that, that you're thirsty for God. Not just to have a feeling, but you're thirsty for God. To know Him, to see Him, to experience Him. And that's what was happening here. So they devoted themselves to gathering. And what did they do when they gather? Three different things. Let me share with you really quickly three different things of why we gather. Two thousand years later, we're still gathering. Is it so that we can kind of get the report cards so that when we stand before God one day, they were going, look, God, I I, mean, I was in church, I mean, hundreds of times. You you go check your list. And, and I had that church membership card. I did that. Folks, none of that's going to matter. That's not why we gather. That's so that we can have a report card that said that we were in attendance. This gathering was to equip us in the very thing that we're emphasizing in 2017, this maturing in Jesus Christ, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, learning more and more about him, less and less about Bobby, and more and more about Jesus Christ. And that's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. So let's look at three different things I want to share you this morning. The first one was biblical instruction. How many of you would say that you, you know a lot about the Bible, but you still need to know more? That you, you admit that there's still more that you want to know? Desire not. Yeah. I I promise you, the greatest biblical scholar who has ever lived would tell you that they want to know more. And so one reason why we gather is so that we can discuss things. We do that in a large group like this, and we do it in small groups, and we call them life groups. We do them in other various groups. Because God calls us to be disciples, not just converts. Verse 21 there, I'm sorry, verse 41 there, those are converts, right? They had converted. Their, Their hearts, their minds were converted to believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 42, they start becoming disciples. They start becoming disciples of, okay, who is this Christ? More and more. When you were saved, if you're a Christian, if you have begun your journey with Christ, did you know all that there was to know about Christianity, about this Jesus Christ, about how to do marriage in Christianity, how to do parenting, how to, eat, just, you know, how to read the Bible? No. And so that's where the discipleship begins. Christ has saved you not to convert you, but so that you might become a disciple. That's why it's so important that you know, when we see people come to know Christ, that we get them with other believers and, and start developing that walk with Christ. There was a time back in the 70s and 80s that the church put, and when I say the church, I'm just saying a lot of different churches, put a lot of emphasis on just going out there and, man, just sharing the gospel in a way that was almost, it almost turned inward to a place of, okay, yeah, I got five more people to pray a prayer today. I am not minimizing that. I'm not belittling that. But the call of the gospel is to go make disciples. Now, yes, they have to come into a place of conversion first. And so conversion is that first place to put their mind and their heart and their trust into this gospel message of Jesus Christ. But that's the first step, guys, of a lifelong discipleship process that God wants us to have. That's why we gather. One of the reasons why we gather is so that more and more and more, We can come together, God's Word as the center of our instruction, and we gather so that we can have biblical instruction. Second thing that we see there, we need Christian fellowship and encouragement. God called us to be a people. Now, I know that we have a mix in here. We have introverts and we have extroverts in here, okay? And some people that are kind of just verts. They're kind of in the middle. You don't know if you're intro or ex, You know, you don't know where you are, but you can kind of go either way, okay? But we have people that are severely introverted here, and and there's a pull toward just kind of being by yourself. There's others that are extroverts. If you can't find a party, you will make a party, and and you will start one, right? (laughs) Well, that's part of our human nature. Okay, now we have personalities that sway us, pull over here or pull over here. But we all need fellowship. And especially, we want to have a people. We were in a restaurant the other night, and uh, uh, this guy had on his UGA uh, football shirt, uh, a bulldog shirt. And on the back, it has the the picture of Sanford Stadium there, and it says, uh, Best time you ever have with 92,746 of your closest friends. And yet when you go to the game, isn't that how you feel? I mean, if you're there as a Bulldog fan and you're in Sanford City, you know, also you know, you may not even really like football that much, but I promise you, you go one time, and you're kinda hooked. It's like a guy that I was talking to, you know, didn't really follow NASCAR that much, went to Talladega one time. And he was an instant NASCAR fan. Why? Because he I'm with my people now. I mean, I don't know what all he got. If he got a cowboy hat, if he got this, that, and the other. But, you know, you you get there, and it can be something that your first time, but all of a sudden you're in that midst and become part of the people. That's what God, one of the reasons why God has us gather. We have a need to be a part of the people. He says in his word that you are a holy, chosen race. We're part of a people. And God fulfills this need in our life to to have others around us by gathering. Satan's favorite tactic, I'm almost positive, besides lying, he's just a liar, just a straight-out liar. Jesus called him that, said every word that he ever speaks is a lie. But one of his favorite tactics, along with those lies, is isolation. He loves to isolate. And the very time that, you know, I found this in my life, the very time that I need Christ the most and fellowship and encouragement the most, guess what the draw is? To be isolated as far as just from that human level. I mean, I have that need to be around encouraging people, to see encouraging faces, to have somebody pray for me. And yet, that morning in bed, and the last place I'm going to be this morning is in church. They might want to pray with me. And that's the very thing I need. Have you ever felt that tension there? That some of the most stressful times of your life, you go, man, I I just don't know that I'm not being drawn to gathering. And yet what we really need is gathering. Many, many times that out of obedience, I've come and been obedient to gather. Whether it was on a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, a Sunday morning, this, that, and the other. Heart was not in it. And about halfway through, God just blessed. About halfway through, God brought out that need for gathering, and I went home going, you know, I would have missed that gathering this morning if I would have went with my emotions. Have you been there before? Yeah. I mean, folks, it's not all that different in marriage and different things like that. Sometimes if we just let feelings by themselves dictate our actions, but that act of obedience, we go and we commit ourselves, and then that obedience is blessed. See, God is the one that wired us up. You didn't wire yourself up. Freud didn't wire up a whole bunch of people over here and another kind of you know psychologists wire up some other people. God, the Creator, wired you together. And one of the things that he wired you for is gathering. And so when he calls you into the body of Christ, one of the things we want to be part of a people. And whether it's 92,746 or whether it's 120 or 130 people on a sunny morning, God has called us to gather. And it's encouragement. And it fights that desire to isolate. Third thing, we need stability in our ever-unstable world. How many of you had an unstable week? I mean, I could ask that from now until the time that Christ came back and say, was there something that happened in your life this week that last Sunday you did not expect? Something that was not on the calendar, it was not in your agenda, and yet it happened and you really didn't have a choice in the matter, it just happened. It could be job-related, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be this, that, and the other. It just happened. Part of our gathering is to give us stability in an ever-unstable life. Now, what I mean by the stability that comes in? You know, routines can become ruts. But there is a positive side of routines. There is a very positive side of, of having a routine, even if it's going to church on Sunday morning. Part of that routine, it it kind of pushes us when we don't have the feeling to go there, and yet we get there as we just admit it. Sometimes we're going, man, I'm so glad I went to church today. It's the stabilizers on this ever-increasing sea that is rocky out there. Uh, We've been on a couple cruises, and it's amazing. You get on some of those big old ships, and they have these built-in stabilizers, and you look out there, and there's all kinds of waves, and you're just kind of steady-eddy there. Why? Because they have these stabilizers, and they're taking into account all that instability, and they kind of, by computers and all this other stuff, make the ship stable. Guys, this is kind of our ship. In this very unstable world, in unstable lives, unstable everything, we come here, and it's not that everything is perfect in here, but at least we have a stability. I mean, I just know that if I walk in, and Radley's here, I'm going to see him smile. It's going gonna, gonna to happen, okay? I know when I walk in that door, more than likely, Jeff's going to be there welcoming me as I, as I come in that day. And in this unstable world, I need that stability. I need to have some things, call them routine if you want to, but I need to kind of come with that expectation that when I walk in that door on a Sunday morning, that I'm just going to see some faces and they're going to be an encouragement to me. So that's why we gather. Now, why do we go? The Bible makes it very clear. First and foremost, we were called by Christ to go. His last words go into you know, all this world. I'm going to send you out to Jerusalem. I'm going to send you to this place and that place. Remember what it said in Acts 1:8. These are the words of Christ. Again, if you have an old Bible that was where the words of Christ are in, in red, this is in red. These are the last earthly words of Jesus Christ. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And you will be my witnesses. That is, you're going to tell your story in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's what God has sent us out to do. The second thing we say, not only are we called to Christ, but it's one of the ways that God initiates faith in ourselves and in others' people. So here's the incredible thing, guys. We gather this morning, and then in about 30 more minutes, we're going to go. And we're going to go to about 120, 130 different places. You're going to go to schools. You're going to go to workplaces. You're going to go to communities. You're going to go to families that I can't be at, that Jeff can't be at, that that Ricky can't be at, that others can't be at. We're going to go, and we're going to go to reach places that that we can't be. I, I can be in one place at one time. Others can be at one place at one time. But as we go, we get to cover communities, schools, workplaces, families. And what do we go with? We go with the spoken word of God. Why? Because that initiates faith. Look what it says, Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Paul's writing to the Romans, and he's talking about us going out and and sharing the gospel, and he's talking in in this context here, of people that don't know Christ. And he says, and how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? How can they put faith in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? And how uh, are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, a lot of people can say, well, that's Jeff's job, Bobby's job. You're a called minister. No, it's the Christian's job. It's our calling. Romans ten seventeen. We go down a couple of verses, look what it says. So faith comes from what? And hearing comes through what? The word of Christ. What God is saying there, guys, is very theological, very practical. He said, Okay, faith, your faith, my faith, is activated sometimes by the word of God. Let me give you a demonstration. Have you ever been discouraged about something? You opened up the Bible, or maybe somebody on Facebook or somebody sent you a text or something, and it was a verse. And all of a sudden, that verse just slaps you. I mean, it just slaps you. In, in a good way. Because it's one of those things, maybe you were discouraged and it encouraged you. Maybe you were fearful and it gave you faith. Maybe it made you know you were shrinking away and it pulled you in. But it was the Word of God. It wasn't that Susie sent it to you. Yeah, Susie's sweet for doing that. But it wasn't that Susie sat back and said, Here's some of my words. No, they sent you that scripture and all of a sudden, that scripture builds faith. And so as we go, that's what we go with. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of Christ. That's why if you go back to Acts chapter 2, that first part, the people that hear Peter's sermon, he's just preaching the gospel, it says that they were cut to their heart. They just didn't listen. They were cut to the heart. So we gather, and we go. How do we do that here at Cornerstone? Well, we gather on Sunday mornings like we're doing right now. We also have life groups. Some life groups meet on Sunday mornings, others during the week. And so we take a large group, and then we break it down into small groups. We also have other various ministries. Uh, there, right now there's a women's ministry going on, uh, a Bible study on Wednesday nights. There's men's prayer time. We do that once a month. There's personal discipleship. Many of you are involved with discipleship. and uh, Our preschool has a mommy's and me kind of Bible study here. A lot of different ways that we do that on a smaller scale, that we take this larger group and then we break it down. That's one of the ways that we gather. Gather collectively, and then we kind of gather in smaller groups. What about going? How do we go? What is kind of the mission's mindset? Well, first and foremost is all of us going out. We can have programs. We can have different uh, things that we're going to put on the agenda, on the calendar. Hey, let's, as a church, go do this. But there is nothing more effective, I promise you, than 120, 130 people out, going out this afternoon or tomorrow, going into your schools, going to your workplace, going to your communities, going into your families, and just sharing the hope of Christ. Most effective way. We gather, then we go. But here are some of the things I'm going to share with you this morning uh, that we do corporately. That other we do individually. This we do corporately. One, do you know that if you've ever given um, a tithe or an offering to this church, that a part of that goes to missions? It's what we call uh, in our church, collective churches around the Quadra program, that a percentage of your tithe and your offering goes to help missionaries all the way around the world. I think that's one of the coolest things. In fact, one of the things that, that kind of made me a Southern Baptist when I was a little kid the theology, You know, as long as it was the Bible, I could have been a lot of different denominations. But one of the things I really appreciate about the the, the Baptists were, were that they had this thing called the cooperative program that when I, in some churches, you give a dollar, and ten cents of that dollar was going to missionaries all over the world. I thought, that this is really cool. What a great way for me, as a little kid, to be involved in worldwide missions just through my, you know, my tithes and my offerings. So that's one thing there. The other thing is uh, we have different ministries. One that we're going to have on April 30th is Be the Church Day. Let me explain what that's going to look like. On that day, we will gather this morning, uh, that morning at 8 o'clock, have a breakfast, a really, really short kind of just uh, time of instructions and a couple of songs, and then we're going to leave. We're going to go. And uh, Jeff and I started sitting down the other day, but this is where we need your help. We're looking for between six and eight different projects to do out in community that Sunday morning. And we will go out there and do them as families, you know, together. Uh, we're looking, do, do you know an elderly person whose house needs a little bit of repair? Now, now, granted, we got three hours that morning to go out there and do something, okay? So, you know, you can't, you can't deconstruct. We can't do the whole Joanna Gaines thing, you know, on, on a single morning, okay? What we're looking for is, you know, who just needs a little bit of help? Is there a single mom out there that you know of that really could just help, you know, use a little bit of help? So we're looking for those kind of projects. Uh, Jeff and I will be contacting the local schools and say, hey, where your kids go, is there, can we put out some flowers, can we put down pine straw, can we trim hedges? We go out in community and we just love on this community. So if you know of some projects, if you know of some nursing homes, um, one of the things we've done before is make wreaths so that uh, that in their homes and, uh, and in their um, uh, rooms, they're at the nursing home, they can have a wreath on the door. You know, this was given to them of just ways to love on this community. So that's coming up in April, April 30th. It's on a Sunday, and it's called Be the Church because we're going to go out there and be the church that particular Sunday morning. Hopefully we will every week, but that's one that we just kind of emphasize. So I need you, if you know of some people that could help, that can use a little bit of help, let us know. We'll go out in groups of 10, 15, 20, depending on the size of the project. And I promise you, you will come back and say, can we do that again next week? You know, the sermons are okay, but we really like going out there and making a difference in community. That's one of the things we do. Another uh, item that we just have the great... Opportunity to be a part of because Jeff just happens to be in our church Jeff and Sherry is iServe I serve is a ministry that's already up and going it is independent of any church it's Jeff and Sherry another couple that began this ministry and so they're not directly related to any church because they want to bridge the gap uh, among churches and the community and uh, just bring love on the community and so there's a lot of different things that they have uh, one is food truck Uh, This happens on the second Saturday, the third Tuesday of every month, where a big old truck comes up with 30,000 pounds of food. And yesterday you fed about 350 families? 305. 305 305 families yesterday. This happens every month. Now, one of the things that uh, is kind of a, a need there is, would you say that that's approximately how much food is in there as far as dollar Yeah, we're $35,000 to $50,000 worth of food that is given out. You know how much it costs to, since it's donated, but for them to make that arrangement, $800. So for $800, you could feed 305 families. Pretty cool deal, okay? This has been going on. A lot of you already participated in that. We really want to kind of ramp that up in our church because the opportunity is right here. One of the ways that we're going to ramp that up in our church is if you've been down the hall we've kind of made a new missions area. You've seen a little truck out there? And uh, it gives you a little bit more information about uh, that $800 can feed, you know, over 300 families and give out all this food. And if you want to you can just go by there and put money in. Young families, this is where I would really instruct you to kind of teach your kids that connection. Hey, we put in a dollar or two here. And it goes to feed families, a direct connection. And then you bring them out on a Saturday or on a Tuesday and let them be a part of it. For every $400, since it costs $800, for every $400 we raise, the church will match that other $400 and we'll be able to buy one of those trucks worth of food for one of those months. So it's a great way of doing it. I can tell you all kinds of creative ways to do that with your kids. One way is when you go out to eat, instead of getting Cokes at $2 a piece, get water, and say, hey, we're specifically giving. Everybody's going to order water tonight because, number one, it's healthy. Number two, we're going to take that $2, $3, whatever. We're going to put that in the, the food truck uh, slot this week. Because you know, we want to take, and that way they sacrifice a little bit. They have water instead of you know, Coke or something like that. So a lot of different creative ways that you can build that into your um, your family. Another thing is uh, that I served us is called Bags of Love. How many bags, 275? About 200. Uh, if you see that one picture there where there's a backpack, these go out for the weekend for kids that uh, they're just not going to have a lot of food in their house during the weekend. and so it provides for them some food during that long weekend. They take the backpack home on Friday. They bring it back on Monday. And it gets filled back up. Uh, we have two dates, March 12th and May 8th, that we as a church, we're going to go help pack the backpacks, get them ready to take out. All these dates, all these times, I'll get them to you a little bit later on. Um, another one is that we're looking into, we haven't heard a lot back, is local rebuild trips. Uh, if you know down in Albany, they've had tornadoes. They've had a lot of destructive weather. And this is a, an opportunity for us to get Three or four guys, gals together, go down there for a Friday, Saturday, do some construction, some cleanup or whatever, just making a difference in their lives. Physical ways of showing the love of Christ. Another one that is just on the emerging part is Habitat for Humanity. If you've ever heard of that, that is kind of a, there's a new director in town, uh, about 15 different pastors we met together, and we want to give support to that. That's where people that are on low-income means, They don't get a free house. They get a no-interest house. Uh, uh, They get to buy a house at no interest. But they have to put, you know, 300, 400, 500 hours of sweat equity into it. It's a very good arrangement. It's a beautiful uh, opportunity to get people that really couldn't afford a home into a nice, solid home. And people from the community go out there and actually help build this house. I've been on a couple projects before, and it is just wonderful. Because, again, you get to be part of a people that day. Other churches, other people in the community, just different ways to love. A long list, I've got more. Of, you know, Jeff and I were in FCA just a couple weeks ago at West Jackson. Different things in community. You loved on the community, the, the first responders last year. You took them food. All kinds of different things uh, that we can do. Uh, one opportunity that we want to give you as you go out today, our women's ministry just a couple weeks ago. Got together and put these bags together. There's about three or four boxes of these. Take one or two of these with you today. And when you see a homeless person, when you see a person that might be in need, just, you know, especially if it's on the corner and they're asking for something, you, um, you stop and say, hey, you know, maybe I don't have money to give you, but I, I have this, and, and maybe this will help. Is that right, Sherry? I just didn't want to mess that up because I know the ladies made this great development, and I don't want to kind of mess it up. But these bags are for the taking right out there. They, they put them together a couple of weeks ago. Guys, it's just going. It's just going. It's an opportunity for us as a church to gather, equip ourselves, mature in Christ, and then go be the body of Christ into the community. And and so you don't have to be a church of 10,000. You don't have to be a church of 5,000. You don't have to be a church of 1,000. You can be a church of 120, 140, and you can make a difference in your community. I promise you. You start loving on people and the first thing that they ask is you go out and love on people as a group, as individuals. I promise you, the first question that they don't ask is, so how big is your church? And you go up there and they're hungry and you give them food. I promise you, they do not ask. So you from a big church. No, I represent a big God. We gather and then we go. You see that throughout the whole New Testament. And with the gathering and with the going, the Bible says that the whole world was turned upside down for the cause of Christ. That's what we're about. Isn't God good? Let me ask you a theological question, then we'll we'll go. Could God do all this without us? I see some yeses and I see some noes. Let let me give you the theological answer first. Yes, he could. God can do anything. He's not limited by by human participation. He allows us. He allows us. He gives us the privilege to go and encourage one another in our gathering, to instruct one another in our studies, and to go love on a community by our going. He involves us. He doesn't need us. He could do it. I mean, do you remember the time that people were hungry and food came from heaven called manna? See, God can do. I mean, if He just wanted to feed people, He can do that. But He allows opportunities for you and I Not only to participate, but to participate as a body of Christ. So I'm excited for some of these opportunities. But we'll get all this printed up for you and hand out so you have all those dates to give you opportunities. There's a reason why we gather. And there's a reason why we go. And it's all so that we can make much of Him. It's not to make much of the name of a church. It's not so that we can feel like, hey, we're really good people. We have a mighty God. And He has saved us from hell. He has saved us from our sins. And he's taken our dead life and he's given us life anew. And and now he just gives us the opportunity to go out there and in that joy and in that celebration, go out there and just make a difference to others. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you. And Father, this morning, Father, thank you that we have an opportunity to gather. And Father, in just a moment that we'll have the opportunity to go. And, Father, I really believe that you don't need us, Father. That you can do it however you want to. You've done it historically, Father. You have made uh, food come from heaven. You've, you've done other things, Father. You've miraculously saved people with, without a witness. And, and yet, Father, you, what you usually do is that you involve your people. You call us to be a people. And you allow us to be involved in that process of going and making a difference in our community. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you for those ministries like I serve. I thank you for times that our our ladies get together and and have a mindset to to serve and love on this community. I thank you for the many things that that many of our people are involved in that, that were not named today, Father. I'm just going out there and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So, Father, thank you. Thank you you've given us a place to gather and friendly faces to do that with. That you've made us a people. Father, in just a moment, these people are going to go. And I pray that we will go in the encouragement, in the instruction, and in the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Father, today for loving us. Use us, Father. We may be a a small church. Father, you've called us to make a big impact by just being gospel-centered, centered on your Son, Christ, And going out there and just being authentic in this community. So thank you, Father. Thank you for the privilege of being a people that represent you. We love you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.